crack open a cold box of wine or pour something cold on ice because it's the Binge Watchers Podcast. Boom! Back again. It's the Binge Watchers Podcast. Joined as always by my intrepid co-host, putting up with all my garbage, Dangerous Dave and Jordan Savage. So <laughs> savage, he tuned in tonight for a Planet of the Apes movie, no less. One of the originals, going all the way back to a hit, well, I guess it's, is it a hit film? I don't know, it's definitely uh, they were hits. cult cinema hits, maybe. AMC used to show them all the time. This is the original Legacy Collection the original seven or so Planet of the are there seven? Five. Five or six Planet There's of the Apes movies. Originals that and came a TV out. show and a cartoon. Yeah. So it started with Planet of the Apes and the end of the 60s, and Asher Rockets crashed into the future by going through like a little wormhole type deal. He ends up in a Burgee society of apes, no less. And then you come to find out it's a future Earth. All it's all gone to hell. There's like a famous shot of the broken Statue of Liberty where he goes. You damn dirty apes, you blew it all the hell, you really did it, blah, blah, blah. Freaks out. <laughs> Charleston Heston's playing the main astronaut. His buddies get killed. The other humans there are de-evolved, except for one that becomes his ally. But the main apes are a couple of chimps, uh, Zira and her husband Cornelius, and then Dr. Zaius, who's an orangutan. It's based on a novel, and you're going to get several sequels in the early 70s. Beneath the Planet of the Apes... So, Charleston Heston character Taylor is missing. Another astronaut shows up named Brent, who's from the same space organization. Figure that out. And he goes through the same time-space anomaly. And then he, there's an ape general now who's rousing the other gorillas to seize power from the rest of the apes and bring down a hidden human society that becomes like his only challenge to the supremacy he's trying to lay down on everyone. And this one features actually an introduction of the nuclear mutants. Um, everybody who's living in an underground city of humans that didn't de-evolve, that are also still generally smart, have telekinetic powers because they've been radiated by a nuclear rocket. Uh, it has a bleak ending, which we'll get into a little bit later in the show, because that's the one we're covering tonight. Spoiler alert. What movie we're covering. Can we spoil the movie we're covering? I don't know. I don't know if that works. It's like a meta. It's a 50-year-old okay. movie, basically. It's older than we are. Let's we'll put it that way. Escape from the Planet of the Apes is the third one. Zero and Cornelius actually travel back through time somehow before the planet blows up and they tussle with the U.S. government. It's kind of like a reverse of what we've seen in the last couple of movies where apes are in charge and humans are abused. Now it's the apes are getting abused and there's this brutal military shootout and they actually had a baby. They managed to like smuggle the baby away to a circus owner and the end of the movie is kind of shocking too, just like the previous movie. But the baby's like going, mama, mama, from inside of a circus cage. The next movie... He's actually grown up, and his name is Caesar. It's called Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. And the circus owner and he have to go into a city. And what's happened to it, like, this time is, like, a virus has decimated humans. Knock on wood. Uh, no correlation to reality. It's a completely different illness. Uh, the apes are starting to evolve, so they're like household servants. They can do simple tasks and fill in for the workforce that's been depleted. Other animals are completely dead. Those birds are gone. Dogs are gone. Like, all these other animals are killed off by this thing. 
And uh, the circus owner tussles with the local authorities after the local authorities find out that, you know, Caesar can talk. And they're like, oh, crap. This ape is, like, smarter than the other smart apes, and we're going to lose control. And they do, because Caesar forms an uprising, and all the apes break free. Rodney McDowell is in this one again. So he's now played two of the chimpanzees, Cornelius, which he's done in, like, a couple films, and then he'll play Caesar in the next couple of films. Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Uh, Caesar is in charge. He's laying down laws for the apes, and humans are, like, subservient. They have no rights, essentially, but he's nice to them. I don't know. The other apes are like, forget these guys. And we're almost arriving at the point that the original movie took place. It's almost like just showing us. So essentially, they're not sequels. They're prequels, even though they called them sequels this whole time. But it's really showing you how the Planet of the Apes came to be, right? Then they have a TV show, which takes place 400 years before the original movie. Ronnie McDowell will be back again playing another chimp whose name is Gallon. And uh, it has it just rehashes the same story over and over again. There's astronauts. They end up on the planet of the apes. The future's screwed up. The apes are in like uh, subdivided classes, which is, I mean, it's a French author, so he's kind of writing like French society where there's like a, a middle class. I think it's called Borgies, I think, that's how you say it. And so in their caste system, there's like people in charge, people with special skills. And that's kind of how like the apes are divided. There's like the gorillas, which are the military guys. The chimps, which are academic, and the third faction, the orangutans, are like in charge of laws and science. I'm not sure. <laughs> like, and actually, they're the most racist of all the apes. The orangutans are the most like humans suck. They're dirty. <laughs> you know, don't give them any rights. Um, the TV series is probably what people most know. That or the cartoon. I don't know if everybody's caught up with the movies. And then. We get no ape for like a decade or longer because then we end up in 2001 and Tim Burton and Mark Wahlberg show up and Tim Roth is playing like a really creepy chimpanzee leader. And that's Planet of the Apes just 2001. It's like a remake. Uh, the ending's kind of like the novel. There's some parts of the book that are thrown into this one, so that's kind of cool. Um, but the setup for the Planet of the Apes in this movie, the Tim Burton version, is just that the astronaut and his chimp co-pilot, they're... Time anomaly somehow sets up the evolution for the apes. Like they evolved from his little chimp co-pilot. Uh, then we have a modern trilogy, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, followed by Dawn of the Planet and War of the Planet of the Apes. And it retells Caesar's story from our present day to like a future apocalypse. Same thing happens. Humans de-evolve because of a, an illness or something. And then it shows how we experimented on apes at first and made them smarter on accident through the experimentation. And that's actually in the, the novel. Like we kind of forced the evolution in the book. Um, that, that's kind of like a brief overview, man. Cause obviously you can tell at least one of us is like super into these old ape movies, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and my nose is running unusually. I don't know why. Um, the official synopsis of the beneath the planet of the apes is the sole survivor of an interplanetary rescue mission searches for the only survivor of the previous expedition. He discovers a planet ruled by apes and an underground city run by telepathic humans. And uh, Dave, I've said so many facts, but they may not <laughs> be as dangerous as yours. So I'll let me to, take a breath. Some more, uh, you can dive in. Interrupt him with as many comments as you want as he goes along. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so th this is basically just facts for the one we watched beneath. Uh, but wow, John basically... Gave us some monkey history right there. 
professor of uh John Gaber said monkey history. <laughs> Sorry, I just I'm gonna sing through your your demo. Right. Uh so uh Pierre Boulet Bull, if I'm saying that right, who is the author of the original book, actually wrote a sequel script titled Planet of the Men, which featured Heston's character from the original 14 years later leading an uprising against the apes. But the studio just rejected that and went in their own direction. Um, the, the studio one- rejected that and went in their own direction. The budget for this one was, that was a little bit tune on the end there. Sorry, guys. That's right. Uh, so the budget for this one was slashed uh, by half of the original one due to a string of flops that had lost mm. money for the studio, such as Dr. Doolittle and Hello Dolly, which this movie actually repurposed some of the sets for the Mutant Council. So why don't you just bait on the just bet on the monkeys, Dave? Because have the monkeys let you down? Like, why go and produce a Doolittle when you know the monkeys will just take care of you? You know what I'm saying? Well, like movies from the producers of the original Planet of the Apes, so they kind of lost themselves. <laughs> they kind of screwed themselves mm. out of the budget for future movies in a weird way. Even though oh, I'll be quiet now. <laughs> I, I thought I had a good point to make, but uh, right, wait, because they slashed the second movie compared to the first, but then they repurposed the person who made the first ended up using the second. For later movies, did I get no. that right? <laughs> no, no, I just the the Doctor Doolittle, which was one of the movies that lost the studio money, just also so happened to be from the producer. Yeah, shared of a producer shared one of the Planet of the Apes producers produced Doolittle, right? Okay. Uh, but yeah. that that's a movie that lost the money and it ended up slashing the budget of. So what is really happening here this, of this movie? Yeah, okay. so it's like yeah. an incestuous production situation that's costing somebody money. And right. affecting more than one movie is what's happening here. Right. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, because of the low budget, many of the background apes had to use rubber masks of, or uh, rather than articulated prosthetics because Which of the lowered budget. So you if you can look at the background, some of them look pretty janky. You can tell. When the, yeah, when the army's climbing over them hills, you can see <laughs> see it. And also, during the speech at the amphitheater or whatever, the outside, what are they? they it's called an amphitheater, right? Yeah, the theater's outside. It's like a Coliseum style. Yeah, the amphitheater. Yeah. So, wow, I'm like 12 years of public education right down the drain. What is it called? <laughs> can't remember the lesson from third grade. Sorry, Miss Parker. Can't remember. Don't know it. Okay. So they're hey, at the amphitheater. <laughs> the general is giving a speech. Yeah, I called her out. Don't right. know if she's listening. We'll see. <laughs> okay. So they're at the amphitheater. General's giving a speech. We're watching the apes react to the speech. But some of them can't move their facial expressions. So I hate how like in it, yeah, it's like all of the prosthetics are stuck with a mouth open. Like if you're mm. walking as a person and you're not saying anything, your mouth isn't open, it's closed. I don't know if that bothered me. It, it's especially <laughs> so jarring if you want if you did like I did and watch the original. Jordan, they don't got no mouth walkers down there in Colorado. <laughs> Apparently not. Yeah. Okay. We've got a lot of mouth walkers up here. Tell you what. <laughs> Um, Orson Welles was actually offered the role of General Ursus, but declined because he didn't want his performance to be hidden behind makeup. So, you know, all right. Mm. Uh, this is actually the only one of the original movies not to feature Roddy McDowell. As John noted, he's throughout the series, but this is the only one he was not part of because of scheduling conflicts. But he returned for the next three movies and TV series. Um, 
Charlton Heston actually had no desire to return for a sequel, but agreed to it as long as his character was killed off and his salary is donated to charity. Um, however, he ended up agreeing to having his character disappearing in the beginning and showing up again at the end. So producers still got him a little more than they expected. And what a way to go. He doesn't go easy. They at least take him out pretty hard. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, gets shot to hell, launches a nuclear weapon, blows up the whole world. Yes. Beneath the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> uh, wow. That was a, that's a cool, dangerous fact, though. You know, the whole yeah. donating salary to charity. That's it. <laughs> Maybe that's a tax write-off. That's it I mean, it's, for the dangerous facts. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, favorite bits. Let's uh, give Dave a break and go right into Jordan's favorite bits. Okay. Like, straight up. The like underground human evolved race was so eerie to me. I don't know why it still haunts me. I think that's what I like the most. And then, of course, uh, she said creepy you know, ass mutants. <laughs> I hated how they just kept going <laughs> like, to each other, uh, just really got me. But, uh, yeah, also blowing up the missile. I think that was like my favorite part. Dave, you can join in the, the course anytime. Yeah, I'm I gotta say, Dark City must have taken from this movie because uh, Mutant Council looked a lot like the guys in that movie, Dark City. Hmm. I don't know. Picked up on that. Well, right I mean, I know they they obviously, um, you know, cut corners in the budget where they could, but the mutants were done pretty well. Yeah, and that, that the, was the main cool. monkeys, all the main apes, look pretty good. Yeah, the ones that I actually mean, have to talk look all right. Uh, even if it was recycled. I guess I'll move on to my favorite bit. I did not expect monkey stigmata, for lack of a better term, or they got have this huge monkey statue just starts bleeding from the eyes. Oh, the bleeding forehead. illusion of the lawgiver, because that's their that's actually <laughs> yeah. like their god, right? Yeah. So I just did not expect the the religious parallels in this movie. I'm like, wait, what? Mm. <laughs> like <laughs> this movie goes for it. I'll give it that. Like it doesn't all work, but this movie at least had goes goes for the throat it's serious business different. when you got a bleeding statue dave that's how you know it's serious <laughs> the statue is bleeding from its eyeballs um God, dr Zeus is smart enough to know that it's an illusion and he rides through fire i don't know he's so ignorant that i don't think he would actually i think he would believe it i mean uh, anyway miscast okay uh I I love the movie. Um, I've always liked this movie. I'm biased. I like all these these crazy AP movies. Um, although I had heard Dave Chappelle said that he thought the first one was right. No, he thought the Mark Wahlberg one borders on actual racism. It was like the monkeys are eating watermelon in a scene, and he equated it to like you know old school oh, man. shanty shit. So I haven't watched the uh, uh, 2001 one in a while, but. I, I mean, I think it has. There are social messages, but I don't think it's it's particular to one class. I think it's like all humans. I think it's like humans screwing up left and right. Like there's so many things going on, right? Like uh, rich and poor, '60s shit, whatever. And then into the '70s stuff. Um, I mean, it ends like a '70s movie. It's bleak as hell, but that that's what I give it the most props for. Like to have, I don't know, the conviction to just end a movie on like the most dour note possible, like. <laughs> And take the time to do a voiceover and be like, "Yeah, this sucks. We blew it up. It's gone. 
<laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> the movie's over. Like, I mean, I, I'll grant you I haven't seen the other three movies of the originals, but I've seen the 2000 Mark Wahlberg one. I've seen all that's the, like the Disney. The, I would say that's like series. a Disney version. The Mark Wahlberg one is like a Disney movie version of Planet of the Apes. I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I mean, it's just as brutal. I mean, I don't know about brutal, but I mean, it's all of them. I mean, I granted without having seen the other three, I mean, all these movies end on a downer. I mean, you know, the first Mm. one we have the spoiler alert. I mean, the ending that everybody knows of, oh, it was America or the world after all, or Earth, Um, Mm. you know, Statue of Liberty. This one ends the way it ends. Um, The one for Rise of the Planet of the Apes starts with like, hey, (laughs) a virus is going to spread. I know it's kind of, you know, freaky for (laughs) what's going on today. Um, But all these movies end on downers. Like, that's kind of what's interesting about them. In watching the documentaries and stuff, they were saying that these were very popular movies at the box office at the time. And Mm -hmm. they were like huge downers if you really took a step back and looked at it. Hmm. But the masses loved him still, and kids loved him. <laughs> John was raised on these like a lot of kids, apparently. Uh, I just, yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time in front of a television, I guess. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the first time I've seen <laughs> any from the original Planet of the Apes. I, I mean, I can literally tell you like things from each one of these movies, even the new ones. I have, I have all of them. Like uh, James Franco's in one of them. Rise, yeah. the new That's Caesar, the and like Andy Circus motion captures Caesar the whole time, and so like expanding on the Caesar character, I give them a lot of props for the new ones because they don't start developing the caste system until like maybe the third one, maybe they're like the apes are like in a feudal society by the third movie, and then they have to bring in Woody Harrelson, you know, as like the human general, yeah. he's like Woody Harrelson. Sorry, I kind of slurred his name <laughs> to like <laughs> fight the. You know, fight the apes. That one's pretty dramatic. Like of the new ones, that one's as dark like the originals. That one's a little bit darker. I thought that. I mean, it's been a while since I've watched them all, but I, I remember the new series still being pretty dark. Um, or you know, well, the middle entry touches on how apes are trying to get the nukes to go off again. So that's kind of ties into the one that we watched. Like, you know, they don't understand the ramifications, but they're trying to get the humans to fight with each other and set off all their machines. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I think for the second one, I think the reason why it sticks with me over the other ones is because, like, the other ones are maybe slightly more happy, like, because they defeat the, well, I guess in reality they don't because in part five, Battle for the Planet, when they're fighting, like, the predecessors of the, they're fighting for the, I think I missed telling the story of that movie. The last original movie is called Battle for the Planet of the Apes, and Caesar is fighting, like, the grandfathers of the nuclear mutants. So there are still mutants. That means that, like, even though they defeated them, they didn't get rid of them because we saw them in part two, which happens after part five, right? Because time is really moving forward from a certain point, right? Like, in the first one, we were way in the future, like the year 3000. And then because they blew up the world in part two, they're like, the only way to make sequels is to go back in time. And then at some point, they started moving forward to the original movie's timeline. But... Ultimately, I just want to say, like, it's it deserves credit for being, like, a series of movies that comes out in the late 60s, 70s, like, before the shared universe, before the multiverse, right? Before, like, Marvel-level storytelling, where they're, like, every movie connects to each other. You have, like, a series of eight movies, and the story was just continuous, right? Yeah. Like, Dave, you're bringing up uh, 
Uh, Dave got the Karate Kid box set over the holiday season, and so he's on Karate Kid too. And you were saying what at the beginning of the movie it says, yeah, the first. Well, no, I mean it doesn't exactly say that, but literally the first five minutes of the movie is a recap of the like it's the equivalent of like last week on the Karate Kid. Yeah, so there's some movies like and the ape the ape movies kind of do that too. They kind of recap each sequel, kind of recaps what's going on. So it's kind of ingenious to think like that was before we had. Mini ser- well, we had miniseries television, but we didn't have like these. But they Netflix, didn't have VCRs you know. and stuff to rewatch. Right. I mean, movies again yeah. before the movie came out. So you know, you relied on TV or the movie theater. I could mm. learn to appreciate it in that aspect for sure. Like that was pretty, you know, ahead. It's, it's like how all TV and movies are now. Is like we just expanded on literally yeah. every single thing that's already been made. So. Yeah. Yeah, these are the they I mean I I might go back and actually finish the series, but I mean these were a lot better than I expected them to be. I always kind of like turn my nose to these movies like oh, all right, I'm fine, they're monkey movies. Um they're a lot more mature and interesting than I thought. I don't know. Um they you know, because I watched the original too, if for the audience who hasn't picked that up. Yeah, I remember watching one particular instance of watching them. I don't know how many times I've seen them, but there was like one weekend where AMC was playing all the movies, all the originals. And it was just like, okay, make some chili and cornbread and sit down for like, you know, Dave says that I take months at a time to watch (laughs) things. Like Dave has a memory of me sitting down with the Buffy, the vampire slayer box set. Right. And I feel like I watched it in three days. Dave's like, I haven't seen you. In like five months, John, I don't even know if you're alive. But like, where have you get caught with a beard and like, you know, crawling through cobwebs? Well, that uh, was the early days of binge watching before like you had streaming services. You actually had to fork over like what was that like 250 when it first came out? The whole Buffy set? Like something ridiculous. We're not going to talk what I plop on these DVDs, David. <laughs> I, am I to judge? I mean, if this is one of the no, but ones, the parents, are you listening out there, you bastards? So funny. What? I'll write off that DVD collection because it's for work. We watch movies. You guys write <laughs> off all your movies that you write off every movie that you. <laughs> so oh, man. good. Actually, I should not say that because the last time I poked fun at the IRS, they did come a call. <laughs> you're you're going to be put in a camera. Here we go again. For, uh, <laughs> yeah. So funny. Uh, cartel last week and it's the IRS this week, huh? Wow. I got fans everywhere. <laughs> From Mexico to Washington, D.C. I actually saw an uptick in D.C. Baltimore area listens. I better be careful. Uh, so good. Wow. And actually, well, I was going to I was going to equate the ending of the Beneath the Planet of the Apes to the current UK, like Ukraine border conflict. And I'm just going to be quiet. <laughs> we're go back to, we are not that show. <laughs> we're not that show at all. No, I don't want to get the one stars. And they got too political at the end. Okay. <laughs> Five stars only, people. There's no such thing as a one star. Okay. Rating beneath the planet of the apes. Binge now, binge later, binge never. Our patented and trademarked rating system. It's neither of those things, but I just thought it'd be <laughs> cool to say. TM. Uh, who wants to go first? I'm going to go. Okay, she's. I feel like because of the context, I think that I'd like to go back and invest some time into watching more of this original series. Mm, So it would be a binge later because of that. I feel like I'd need to rewatch this one again. Wait, shouldn't that wait? If you're 
if you're intrigued enough to go watch the rest, shouldn't it be a binge now? Because you're just going to like start watching all the rest. You're saying binge later because of the time okay, it would I take. I guess you could like fairly say that. Yeah, binge now. But I would probably want to start from the first. But then I would go to, right, you know, if that's like if they're in chronological order, then I would have to start with the first and then go to the second because I haven't seen the first. Mm. Dave, have you seen the first? I did watch the first this week. Okay. Yeah. 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 I think I'd have to go back, watch the first and then rewatch the second. Nice. Oh, yeah. Dave, I mean, you got to clear your schedule for like a weekend. (laughs) I, that was was a lot of monkey in one weekend already. So yeah, yeah. Um, I say binge later. I did enjoy it, but I mean, it's not going to be the first uh, thing I go to. Um, I mean, but having said that, uh, yeah, it is worth checking out at some point. Um, but start with the original and like Jordan, just start with the original and go all the way down. If yes. you're gonna do, I mean, they're all one story anyways. You're not gonna... right. You gotta commit. It's not like I mm-hmm. can stop at number two. <laughs> I mean, again, so. this was lucky enough to have that recap. So for those jumping in, you got your up to date. But I mean, if you're gonna commit, commit. Watch them. I like it. But binge later. <laughs> I would like to guess yours, John. But I figured, mm-hmm. you know, this is a good time. I think for he you wears to... it on his sleeve. <laughs> That's not a bad thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> He's a monkey man. <laughs> Can't see it, folks. I just made a monkey mouth. All right. Uh, yeah, it's a binge now for me. Um, my favorites of the original series are Beneath the Planet of the Apes and then Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Where, and the circus one is played by Richard Montalbaum from the old Fantasy Island show. And also, he played Khan, the villain, in Star Trek Two. But he's actually the father figure to the original Caesar. And, you know, if you're tired of, like, government interference, (laughs) this is borderline political, but these movies are. These movies are, like, social political, right? Um, Yeah, they were political statements for the time. There's some some government-enforced bullies in, in the Conquest entry in the Planet of the Apes episode. Like... The city's on lockdown like the whole time for no good reason. And like they're not, of course, in that movie, nobody's treated fairly. So, um, but there is one ally. I mean, Caesar, spoiler alert, Caesar gets an ally named McDonald because something may or may not happen to the circus owner. Maybe he's not in the sequel after that. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's not fair for me to spend like two hours talking about Planet of the Apes movies because it's not the Planet of the Ape recap podcast. So, so I, That's the miniseries coming. Yeah, got to keep it moving. Got to keep it moving. That'd be funny. First look deal. Hey, I just want to do a Planet of the Apes thing like for 24 hours, like all night long <laughs> and just put it on Facebook Live. Okay, no. 24 hours of uh, apes. There's probably, with all the movies and the TV series, more than 24 hours at this point. How about the cameo? Have you seen Spaceballs, Jordan? Have you seen nope. Spaceballs? So that's the, that's the famous that was, uh, Mel Brooks. Weren't we going to do that one? But we decided to, to do something uh, else. No, I just related you know? Ice Pirates to it last week. But I was okay. saying, like, uh, there's a cameo by the Planet of the Apes in Spaceballs. And Spaceballs is like a, the Star Wars parody by Mel Brooks. Um, I like it. Also came out about the same time, so there were enough. There were enough Planet of the Apes 
like recognition society for them to parry it at the end of Spaceballs. So, because I think they say like the Spaceballs show up, the the guys show up, and then the Planet of the Apes. The apes are like, "Oh, there goes the planet." Uh, it, it makes sense in the context of the movie. You'd have to watch. Add Spaceballs to your list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, spaceballs. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, what are the fans up to? Nothing. Uh, actually, they're probably freaking about taxes, too. Fans also have to file taxes. They sure do. Unless they get a tax shelter break. Everything for free. Okay. Um, good luck to you fans out there listening while filing your taxes. <laughs> We're in the same nightmare situation as you are. Okay. Uh, staff picks. Uh, okay, Nick. He's not here. <laughs> I don't even know if he's listening. Hopefully he is. We tease the shit out of him. All right. Um, if anybody wants to write in, then I'll tell you where he is. Just email us. Uh, staff picks. Dave, you got something? Uh, yeah, I rewatched uh, Fighting With My Family. That was uh, the... I guess you call it auto, autobiography or biopic of Paige, the WWE wrestler, who I had not heard of before that movie. But um, I don't know. It's it's funny. It stars Florence Pugh, who's kind of gone on to be a big deal. She did, it was in Midsummer. She was recently in Black Widow as her sister. I saw that movie once and already forgot what the character's name was, but she's in Black Widow. And I think Loki, or not Loki, Hal Hawkeye. Anyways. <laughs> The actress Florence Pugh plays Paige, wrestler, a British wrestler who becomes like one of the big deals of WWE divas. Um, something, a world I don't know that much about. But um, mm. if you want to see an uplifting story with a lot of British folk and uh, wrestling, um, check out Fighting with My Family. I was actually, uh, I saw that on my birthday the year it came out and revisited it. I also got The Rock and Vince Vaughn. It's got a fun movie. <laughs> Check it out. Love it. I binged a lot this weekend. Um, mm. Movie wise, I rewatched As Good as It Gets, which is so uh, good. Just always gets me in the feels. So, yeah, Jack Nicholson plays a OCD man who, like, kind of falls in love with his waitress, but somehow, like, he's just an awful person, but through his like struggles of coping with that he like ends up becoming a better person all around after yeah his gay neighbor gets the shit beat out of him and i don't know it's just a good it it's a good movie because you see this really hard man transform over you know this period of time and it just makes me feel good but yeah it's funny because uh jackson nicholson's character He's a romance novelist, but he has like a right. obnoxious, like abrasive, like personality, right? So he turns people away all the time. Yeah, and he's awful. Well, there's that one scene where he walks into his publisher and the receptionist, like, "Oh, how do you write women?" And he gives like a total dickhead answer. He's like, "Well, I think of a, I think of a man," and then he take away all reasoning and rationale, or like just some, yeah, 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 asshole the about the difference in the genders. Yeah, uh, it's a really great movie. Actually, it's one of jack nicholson's best movies he does another one that's kind of like this in the same genre like a romantic comedy but with dan keaton do you remember the name of that movie dave oh uh, like something's uh, gotta give yeah something's gotta give that would be a good double feature jordan i don't know if you saw that one but it's like uh i'm sure i've seen it but so good love it and then followed up with about schmidt which is completely 
<laughs> like that character becoming dogged by the end or torn by life. Hmm. I don't know. That's a great movie. Also, like the rare Jack the new- Nicholson playing a sad sack character. I like him so much. I don't know. He's an interesting character always. Binge the new season of Ozark in one sitting too, so that was dope. But oh wow, yeah. Part one. I think there's are there more or is it done? Fourth season. It's a it's a part one. So I don't know why they did that, but seven episodes. Hmm. So good. Because they want to drag it out. They want they don't want it to be their cash cow to be over. Oh, yet. like the third movie that they turn into a four and fifth movie or something like that. That's <laughs> what I don't understand. It's like why call it. Season four, part one, if there's just a part two, which just makes it season five. Yeah, Yeah, it's just their way of dragging it out. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they got me good. So (laughs) I still, it's on my list, but I've still yet to watch an Ozark. I know it's It's supposed to be so good. I just like Jason Bateman being like a criminal, you know? Oh. I was gonna say if you're a Bateman fan, go back and watch Teen Wolf 2. And it's not too like the number, it's T-O-O. As in also a werewolf. <laughs> Teen oh Wolf God. 2. Wrestling werewolf. That's like classic Bateman. Like that was he had a sense of humor, then he got serious for a while, then he got a sense of humor again, and then he went a little bit nutty, and that's how you get Ozarks. So he, he gotta mix the comedy with the, the drama. I like um, it. Then something else comes out on the other side. Uh I've been watching a bunch of courtroom movies. I'm like looking for ones I've never heard of. And the thing is, some of them are not categorized as courtroom movies. So like you can't find them. But I stumbled upon this movie called True Believer, where James Woods, who's like a conservative actor, is actually playing like a reformed hippie lawyer and it who smokes pot the whole time. And you're like, where did this guy come from? I've never seen this guy do a movie like this at all. And then Robert Henry Jr., who's like very outspoken in his movie, his modern movies, Tony Starkish, and then like, you know, an advocate in real life plays like the button-down assistant who is like, we got to do everything by the book. I'm like, Robert Downey Jr. saying we got to do everything by the book? You know what I mean? Like, And uh, so it was like reverse roles for these guys. And then um, they're representing like a guy who, it's almost like a conspiracy. Like some guy's on a murder charge and he's been in prison for like eight years from a Chinatown murder that he didn't do, but it's all wrapped up in like the DA's office or something. So then it, then it just like spirals from there. Uh, it's pretty entertaining. I just ended up renting it in like voodoo, you know, cause I was like trying to track down who has this movie. Uh, yeah. That's pretty much it. Uh, so next week, more planet of the apes. Oh no. Just kidding. Like, I'll just assign you guys, like, a handful of each sequels. You watch parts five and six, and you watch one, two, three. Uh, and then you watch the entire series. <laughs> well, series. we're switching, switching gears, because we're leaving behind back-in-the-day hits or movies that we perceive as back-in-the-day hits or have grown a cult following to bad romance movies or bad relationship movies. This is always a good month, either if you're suffering from heartache or you're feeling good and you're just in that... Uh, the romantic mood. We got a, a bunch of good movies. We're going to watch um, The Brass Teapot. Jordan, have you heard about this movie? No, but so, I feel like this is going to be my my uh, my month. Yeah, this is a pretty good one. So in this one, basically, 
the teapot spits out money or other things that you wish if you beat the hell out of the person you love. It's basically how it works out. Perfect. Yeah, yeah this yeah, sounds exactly. right up my alley. Yeah. yeah. So, is it a metaphor? <laughs> is it actually what's happening? We'll find out next week. Stay tuned. <laughs> uh, let's do it. Dave, what are you playing with? Myself. I mean, wow. my Dave. <laughs> <laughs> the ending song. Now we got to have a meeting with HR. <laughs> <That's>, uh... <laughs> we don't have an HR. Oh, you're right. Well, good thing it's a company of three or less. Or are we? Are we a company? I don't know. Like I said in the beginning, I don't know if this is a thing. We're just here talking about movies we love voluntarily because we love movies. Dave. Yeah. What a way to end a show. That's going to get us our explicit for the week. All right, then. <laughs> uh.